Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to jump into it. So can y'all stand to y'all's feet in the honor of reading God's word? We're going to jump this straight into it. Uh, we're going to jump into 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15. This is... Uh, uh, letters written to a church, some think it's in Ephesus to and by uh, the disciple John, and this is what we're going to be jumping into. Um, so we're going to read it together, and it says this, we're reading out of the New King James Version. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now what John is not saying is for us not to love each other, right? That's not what John is saying, but he's saying for us not to have a love for materialistic things or temporal things or things of possessions, because if we have that love for the things of the world, then we can't truly have a love for the things that are eternal, Uh, because there's no room for two things. We have to, says in Scripture, we have to serve one master, and so that's what he is saying, for us to have the love of the Father. In verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Who thinks, well, we're serving an eternal God, not a temporal God? We serve a God who... It doesn't matter what our lives look like. It says it might be in the blink of an eye, but we know that to be... Not here in the flesh is to be present with God eternity. Verse 18, it says, but then John kind of shifts his tone, but he says, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, but which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Basically saying all things come out to light. He says eventually if you're not with God, it will come out into light. So you can't fake being a follower of Jesus. You can't fake. It doesn't matter how long you try, the truth will come out. But he says this in verse 20, and this is what we're going to focus on. But he says, but you have an anointing. Everybody say anointing. It says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know all things. This is the thought. This is the title for tonight. Um, and what we're going to dive deeper is understanding the anointing. Understanding the anointing. Let's pray over service together tonight. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you, God, that we are just lining ourselves up with you, Father. Have your way in this place. Father, we thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. We thank you for, God, walls breaking down. We thank you, Father, for boundaries being broken, God. We thank you for strongholds being torn down. We thank you, Father, that we're not here for any other reason other than to serve your name. So, Father, have your way in this place. We thank you, God, for your will taking place. We thank you, Father, for chains falling off, for addiction fleeing, and, God, for, God, your strength rising up on the inside of every believer. We love you, Jesus, and everybody says... Amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and then y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. And so we're going to go a little deeper, like I said, in uh, tonight. If 
you were here on Sunday, you know what we talked about was the anointing of a priest. I mean, who enjoyed that message on Sunday? Wasn't that a powerful message from Pastor Bobby? And it was the conclusion of our semester, and it's a great way uh, to end it. And what we're going deeper in is we're going deeper into the thought and, and the understanding of the word anointing, what the anointing is. And so usually we don't do this or I try not to dive into the linguistic differences and the origins of words in Hebrew and because people just get bored, right? But this is the Wednesday deeper service, okay? So if you came on a Wednesday night and you're hungry and you're ready and you're okay to sit through some things that I might find, you know, boring, but we're going to look at where the word anoint comes from real quickly in, the wor um, in Hebrew. I think I have a slide. So the word anoint comes from the Hebrew word, which is masa. Now, no, that does not mean corn, <laughs> tortillas, okay? I know I thought the same thing. I said, we're all anointed if we are going to eat the corn, tortillas, but that's not what it means. So the word masa means to pour out. And so when you see the word anoint, that is the origin in the Hebrew, which means to pour out. So whenever you see that, really that's in the connotations of, of when we are reading in the Old Testament, that you can look and you can see that when it says they would anoint somebody, they would pour oil on, on somebody to uh, anoint them, to uh, as a way to symbolically show that God has approved of them, that God has empowered them, or that God has positioned them uh, for a specific purpose according to his will. And that's really what the anointing is. It's a sign of consecration. It's a sign of God's approval. It's a sign of God saying, I, I'm going to anoint you for uh, an empowerment to do my will. But everybody say, it's God's will. It's God's will. Because here's something that we got to understand right off the bat, and it's that, that God will only anoint us for doing his will. That's the only way we will walk in the anointing is when we do it according to God's will. There is no way that you can try to convince God to anoint you for something that is not his will. It doesn't matter how much you beg. It doesn't matter how much you try to convince God and say, no, God, look, I'm telling you, this is a good idea. Anoint me for this. He's not going to anoint you if it's not his will. Because sometimes we get confused in what we need to know the difference is is the difference between ability and anointing. Just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean you're anointed to do it. Just because I have the ability to play basketball doesn't mean I'm anointed to be in the NBA. Can I hear somebody say amen? Just because I have the ability to make cereal sometimes and a PB&J every once in a while doesn't mean I'm anointed to be a chef. But sometimes we get confused because we say, well, if I have the ability to do something, that must mean I have the anointing to do it. Or if I have the ability, or maybe we even see ourselves doing something and find, finding success in it, and we're saying, if I'm finding this success, then that must mean I'm anointed to do it. And a lot of times we get confused and we get trapped in that and we start even convincing ourselves that just because we are having earthly success, then we must be spiritually anointed by God to do it. And we can find ourselves in, in trappings, we can find ourselves in seasons chasing after things and what we don't realize is that we're not chasing after God, we're chasing after success. And a lot of times we can be confused because 
it, it's, it's we, when we look at, the, at God's will, we, we, we have this misunderstanding of thinking that God's will means that I have everything in successfulness. I have everything how I want it. Well, God's will means that everything is going great. So if everything's going great, then that must mean I'm in God's will. Can I say that's one of the things that the enemy tries to deceive us the most? Because here, here's what God knows. Or here's, let, me tell, let me say it this way. This is what the enemy knows. The enemy knows that if he can just convince you to be successful in all the wrong areas, then he can keep you out of being successful in what God has anointed you for. Because the enemy knows he doesn't mind you living a successful life. I mean, how many of us can think of successful athletes and entertainers and actors, but who knows they're not doing what they're anointed to do, right? They might be successful. They might have everything that the world tells them to have, but that doesn't mean they're walking in exactly what God wants them to walk. So don't be confused. Don't think that just because you're successful, then that means you're in God's will. No, knowing that you're in God's will is having the anointing for it. But here's how you can tell. Here's how you can tell. The question that I get is, well, how do I know the difference between what God has for me and how can I know what I'm walking in the right area? My question would be is, as you're walking this path, what is the connotation? What is, how is your soul doing as you're doing what the path you're going down on? By that is, are you growing closer to God as you're doing this thing, or are you growing further away from God? Because you may be successful physically, but if you're breaking down spiritually, that's not what God anoints you to do. That's why scripture says, what profits a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So for us to know what God has called us to do, we have to say, God, I don't want to just be successful in the world's eyes. I want to be successful in your eyes, God. I want to be successful in doing your will, God, not my will. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I have been anointed. Everybody say anointed. What I have been anointed to do. All throughout the Old Testament, you can see examples of God anointing uh, specific people for prophets, kings, and, and priests, anointing them to do that purpose that he has uh, put on their lives. Some examples we'll go through real quickly. He anointed David uh, to be king over Israel. It says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, 13, that uh, Samuel anointed David to be the king over Israel with oil. In Isaiah chapter 61, it says that Isaiah was anointed to be prophet, uh, to preach repentance to the Israelites. In, in uh, Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says God anointed the prophet Elijah to be the messenger of righteousness. So all throughout the Old Testament, you can see the anointing taking place. But something that I caught is that when God was anointing them, it says that they would be covered, that the anointing would be on them. But almost in the sense that when the Spirit of God represents the oil, represents the anointing, when they came upon them, it would almost be like it was just for a moment. Or it's almost it was this for this for a, a, a season or just for this for a, a quick, uh, really specific time of their lives for them to accomplish a specific task. You see this all throughout the Old Testament. 
Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, even though Saul had already been anointed by oil to be king, it says that the, the spirit didn't come powerfully upon him until he began to prophesy and he began to walk around and he walked with the prophets and said the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he began to prophesy. In Judges chapter 14, even though Samson had already been anointed to be a judge during that time and to lead the people of Israel, even though he was already anointed by oil, the, the Spirit of God didn't come powerfully upon him only for specific occasions. And one of them in uh, Judges chapter 14 verse 6 says the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he was able to, to tear, it says, a lion into two, okay, and basically giving him uh, the ability to do what God has called them to do, but it almost happened like it seemed, it almost happened in spurts. Like they couldn't, like the Spirit of God couldn't be on them in, in ways that how we enjoy today. Couldn't be on them in, in ways almost as if it was showing us the picture that God's Spirit could not find a home in Samson, could not find a home in Saul because sin was still running rampant in the hearts of men. Because sin was still holding, the curse of sin was still holding them down to a point to when the Spirit of God came upon them, he couldn't really come on the inside of them because God cannot dwell in the same place that sin is as well. And so that's why it's almost, and, but here's the good news. That is why God sent his son, Jesus. He sent his son to the world so that way he could break the curse of sin. And so that way when the anointing came upon us, it wasn't just for spurts. It wasn't just for moments. But we could walk in the anointing day after day, moment after moment. And God could find a dwelling place on the inside of us. And so it totally changes. When you read about the anointing all in the Old Testament, there's a specific difference when Jesus enters the occasion. See, when Jesus comes to the world, it says that when he was being baptized and he was being anointed by God, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came upon him. But it just didn't just come upon him, but it says it came on the inside of him to where now he was able to house the Holy Spirit. And that is why it says in Scripture that we are supposed to do the same things and that the rivers of living water would come out of man and we would be able to operate in a sense that Samson, Saul, David, all the people in the Old Testament could only dream of. And that's why we walk in the anointing that we can, and it's all through the name of Jesus. And now when the Spirit of God comes upon us, it's not that it just comes upon us, but now the Spirit of God can come on the inside of us. And now we can walk in the anointing, and now we can walk in what God has called us to walk, and we don't just have to do it in spurts no longer. We don't, we don't no longer have to, have to just wish we could walk in this grace, in this will, and this wish that we had the capacity, but now we have the capacity, and that's only through the name of Jesus Christ who sets us free and gives us the ability to walk in his anointing. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise if you're thankful for that. And this is what, what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And this is what Paul is explaining. In verse 20, he says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ, everybody say Christ, has anointed us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you 
turn to your second choice and says, that's also you. <laughs> See, it anointed us through Christ. He anointed us. And this is says in verse 22, and he sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He says, you want to know how you're anointed? It's because now we house the Holy Spirit. You know how we walk in anointed? Why? Because we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And now by the blood of Jesus, because he is the anointed one, we are able to walk in a grace and an anointing. We're able to walk in a power and an authority. We're able to walk in a sense of identity that nobody's ever seen before. But we're all able to do that just by the blood of Jesus Christ and the anointing that he supplies. But see, it's Jesus who gives us the anointing. And it says that he gives us his spirit as a guarantee. And this is point one for tonight. It might sound, you know, a little elementary, but it might sound basic. But point one for tonight is this, is that the anointing comes from Jesus. The anointing comes from Jesus. And the reason why I want to get that right off the bat is because we got to understand is that the anointing doesn't come from works. The anointing doesn't come from saying, well, look, I have all these degrees behind my name or I have all these things that I've done. So that must mean that I am more holier or more anointed than you. But that's not where the anointing comes from. It doesn't come from our talent or abilities. It doesn't come from our strengths. It doesn't come from anything else but the name of Jesus is where our anointing comes from. Because if somebody steps up to you and says, hey, look, look at all what I know. Look at all what I have memorized. Look at all these things that I have achieved. And that means that's how anointed I am because look at all the things I've done. If that was true, if your anointed was dependent on personal holiness, if that was true, then the Pharisees would have been the most anointed group of people who ever lived. Right? But that's not what our anointing is dependent on. It's not dependent on your personal holiness. It's not dependent on, our, on your personal righteousness. Scripture says that our righteousness is like dirty rags to God. So this is what that means. It, says, it doesn't matter how much you try. Now it doesn't matter how much personal holiness you have. You will never replace the need of the Holy Spirit in your life. You will never replace that need. We could memorize all the scripture. We could go through and listen to all the podcasts. But when it comes down to it, yes, those things are good. And I believe in holiness. And I believe that we should pursue it. And holiness is, re is response to God, not a replacement of God. That's what we're supposed to do. But our holiness will never replace the Holy Spirit. There will always be a need for the Holy Spirit in our lives. There will always be a need for us to say, I need the great teacher. I need the great comforter. I need the great guide in my life. I need something greater than myself to lead me. Because here's the encouraging thing. If the anointing relied on your perfection, we'd all be in trouble. We'd all be in trouble. If the anointing only took place when you had a perfect day, we'd all be in trouble. But the anointing is not relied on our perfection. The anointing is us relying on his perfection. Come on, if you're thankful for that, give Jesus a hand clap. Because he is the only perfect, only blameless, the only one who can hold that type of weight is Jesus. But the anointing comes from him. It comes from his, his spirit. It comes from him anointing us. Now, I believe we're called to live a holy life. I do believe that. And I believe that when we engage 
in that sense of a relationship and devotion, I'm telling you, it can be a powerful thing for, for the anointing that God has on our life. Because I believe there's a lot of people who, who have a strong anointing, but have a weak sensitivity to it. To have maybe something that God has formed, but because we are not spending time with God, because we're not spending time in prayer or reading the word, the opportunity is totally going over our heads, and we don't even know what we're missing out on. But that's why we spend time with God. We're really spending time with God. I believe that the more we spend time with him, the more he positions us for the correct purpose that he has for our lives. It keeps us in sync. It keeps us in line. It, it makes sure that we're walking the direction he wants us to walk. And, and that's why we have to spend time with him every day. That's why we have to spend time in the house of God. Why? Because if we don't, we're going to miss out on God's best. We're going to miss out on the direction. We're going to miss out on opportunities. We're going to miss out on God giving us the instruction that we need to walk in an anointing that he has for us. I believe that. But this all leads us back to John. Disciple John. You thought I forgot about him. This all leads us back to John, 1 John chapter 2. A little context. So in 1 John uh, a little context about John. At this point in his life, he is close to 75, 80 years old. He is the last surviving disciple of Jesus. Can you just imagine all the things he's been through? Some theologians believe that he was the youngest disciple and he was the last surviving disciple. And, and at this time of his life, all Christians are experiencing intense persecution. This is post-70 A.D., and if you know what that means, and that means that this is post the time when, when Rome burned down, and when Rome burned down, they, they, they blamed it on the Christians, and they blamed it on them, and they blamed it, all these things. So intense persecution came after this period, and this is what John is going through. But because of this, John is beginning to, he, he, he's walking in the anointing. God has called him to walk, and, and he's writing, and, and he is anointed to be a writer. He wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And John pioneered many churches. And during this time, it even says that, that the Roman government tried to, to make an example of John. They tried to make an example of the anointing, to, to pick fun of it, to make fun of the Christians. And they actually tried to execute John by putting him in a, in a, in a vessel of boiling oil. You can look this up in a boiling oil, and they try to say, hey, hey, look, this is you being anointed by us, by you going into this boiling oil. But here's the thing. They didn't understand the power of our God because John went in there. Not only did he not die, but it says he came out harmless, not harmed at all, not one boil on his body. He was pain-free. And after he did that, it says many more came to believe and, and listen to John because they saw the power of God before their eyes. That's the power of the anointing. But all these things are happening. And so with that context, this is him writing this epistle in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. He said, little children, it is the last hour. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. And now you can imagine why he thinks it's the last hour, because he just got out of an oil boiling bath, all right? He knows that, like, things are getting bad. He said, it is the last hour. He said, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So John was saying that we are in the last hour, and I, 
And I believe that that's the perspective we need to have because if we live with that mindset that we don't have time to waste, if we live in that mindset that at any moment Jesus might come back, I believe that there's a lot of things we'd be doing right now if we knew or if we knew for a fact that Jesus would come back soon. I believe we'd get our lives straight up real quick and boldness would arise and say, I don't got time to play around anymore. Jesus is coming back soon. We're in the last hour, and I believe we are. So I believe that's a mindset we need to take on as well. But then he talks about something that a lot of people talk about or maybe are confused about. He talks about the Antichrist. But remember what we talked about, how the anointing and what it means, but also Jesus is the one who gives us the, the anointing because Christ isn't just Jesus' last name. That is his position. That is his authority. Because Christ means the anointed one. That's what Christ means. And so Jesus Christ is Jesus, the anointed one, and he's the one who gives us our anointing. He's the one where the authority and power comes from. So when you look at what John is talking about, when he says anti-Christ, really meaning it's, it's anti-Jesus, but it's anti-anointing. It's anti-anointing. And when we look at the word anti, you know, it looks look at the, the, the definition of it. It's not just the opposite of, but another definition of it is instead of. Because a lot of times we think of the spirit of Antichrist, we think whatever is opposite of Jesus, you know, that's the spirit of Antichrist, which is true. But another definition is instead of. So instead of us thinking that it means anti-anointing, what we get confused about, it can mean instead of the anointing. The spirit of instead of Jesus. The spirit of instead of the word. Instead of following God. Now, it might not look the complete opposite. Sometimes it looks similar. But let me tell you this. If it's not Jesus, then it's not the way. If it's not where God tells us to go, then it's not the way. And this is what John is talking about. And he says that the spirit of Antichrist is actually here. And he's war warning them about this. And he's telling them that we need to be careful. Because I, I believe this, that in the last hour, in, a, in the world that we're living in, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of options. And some of them don't look so evil. Some of them don't look like such a bad thing. But here's the, here's the point. If it's not Jesus, then that's Antichrist. If it's not the anointing, then that's antichrist. And that doesn't mean opposite of, but that means instead of. That we're replacing Jesus with other things. We're replacing the anointing with other things and saying, hey, maybe I don't need the anointing. Maybe I just need education. Education. Or maybe I just need uh, a podcast or a book or this. And we think we can replace the anointing. And this is what John is trying to warn them of. He says, we need to make sure to be aware of this, that we're not trying to replace Jesus. We're not trying to replace the anointing with anything. Because if we are in tune with the true anointing, if we are in tune with what God has for us, he's saying then that is a way for us to be able to know what's the difference between what God has for us and what's not. What's something that God is willing for us and what's not. Because if we just try to rely on our own human physical feelings and sights and emotions, if we just rely on that to discern what's God and what's not, can I be the first one to tell you we will make a mistake? 
If we try to discern what is God and what is not by us looking through earthly, through fleshly, through temporal perspectives, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. And this is what he's saying. And that's why he continues in verse John chapter 2, verse 20. But he says this. He says, but you have an anointing. Everybody say anointing. He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. He says, here's how you're able to steer the ship. Here is how you're able to find direction. Here's how you're able to, dis to distinguish what's from God and what's not, what's the spirit of Antichrist and what's not, which this really means. Sometimes we think that's a scary word, but all that means is it's, it's anti-Jesus, and it's not what God wants for you. Here's how we know the difference is that we have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. See, the only way we can combat any confusion, the only way we can combat against anything that the enemy's trying to, to come at us with, if, God, if, if the enemy's trying to lie to us, if the enemy's trying to convince us of things opposite what God wants for us, the only correct way to respond is with the truth. Only the truth will be what can combat against the lies of the enemy. If we try to combat against any words that we come up with or anything from our minds or from our own personal uh, experiences, it's not going to combat against what the enemy is trying to come against us with. The only thing that will bend the knee of the enemy is the name of Jesus Christ. The only thing that will stop the plans of the enemy is by us saying, I speak Jesus over this. I speak God over this. I have the anointing and I feel the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way for us to know what is truth and what is lie. The only way for us to walk in the truth is to walk in the anointing. Everybody say the anointing from the Holy Spirit. That's point two for tonight. Is that the anointing gives us the ability to know the truth. The anointing gives us the ability to know the truth. I believe that there's been many times in our lives, that there's been many times in my life, where even though things looked like it could work out, because I was trying to be in tune to what God was telling me, to what the Holy Spirit was telling me, the, in tune to the anointing, I said, okay, we shouldn't go in that direction. We, should, we shouldn't take this step. We shouldn't make this decision. And I believe that all comes from the Holy Spirit because Scripture says the Holy Spirit is our guide, that he is our comforter, that the Holy Spirit is our great teacher and instructor. He's the one who gives us the, the insight. He's the one who makes the difference. He's the, one, he's the one that breaks the yoke. He's the one who gives us the understanding and the insight to make the correct decisions while we're here on earth. If we try to work any way around the anointing, if we try to weasel our way around the Holy Spirit, it's not going to work. If we try to avoid that, it's not going to work. The only way that we're going to make the correct decisions with God's direction is by the God's Spirit giving us the insight. But if you're thankful for the Holy Spirit, give him a shout of praise because he's, the, he's our great comforter and our great teacher. And that's what the anointing is. That's what the anointing is, is the Holy Spirit empowering us to go and make the, in the direction that God has for us. That is why Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 16, he says that when he goes, he said, he will send the spirit of truth. Everybody say truth. He said he will send the spirit of truth and he will lead us in all truth. He will lead us in all truth. He will make sure that we will not be lost he will make sure that if we just lean into him, we won't be confused, we won't be deceived. And, and I believe this is something that 
really hurts a lot of people is because so many are confused about what God has for their life. So many are confused about the direction. So many are confused about the will of God. So many, are, there, so many Christians are confused about what God has for them. And I think this is really a, a specific plan of the enemy because he knows that if we are confused, then there's no way we can be confident. Enemy knows that if we're confused about our calling, then how can we be confident about our calling? If we're confused about the will of God, how can we be confident to walk in the will of God? If we are confused about today, there is no way we will be confident about tomorrow. But for us to be led by the Holy Spirit is for us to have the confidence from God to say, I know the direction you're taking me. I know the will you have for me. I know where you're calling me to go. And I have complete confidence in the name of Jesus. I have complete confidence in the power and the authority and what you have for me. And I'm not confused. I'm not in a place of deception no longer, but I'm confident. Because let me tell you this. God did not call us to live a confused life. That doesn't come from God. Scripture doesn't say that the Spirit of God is a spirit of confusion. It says the Spirit of God is a spirit of order, that he tells us what to do. He tells us where to go. And it doesn't mean that we're going to exactly know what our future is going to look like step by step. But I will tell you this. God will give us direction. God will give you the next step. God will tell you where we are going, and he says, hey, if you go in this direction, I will supply for you. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will help you, because now you're walking in your anointing. Now you're walking in the anointing I have for you and the will that I have for you. See, not only does the anointing allow us to know the truth, but the anointing allows us to apply the truth, to walk in truth to walk in what God has for us, to walk in the will that he has for us, to walk in the purpose, to walk in the direction. All the way we can do that is by walking in the anointing. If we try to do it our way, if we try to do it in any other way but God's plan, we are going to miss out on the promises and on the purpose that God has on our life. The only way for us to walk the way God wants us to walk is to walk in the anointing, is to walk in what God has for us. You see, the anointing, really what it is, it, it, the anointing gives us the ability to accomplish God's will. The anointing gives us the advantage. The anointing gives us the ability, the, the power, the authority to accomplish his will. The anointing is what allows us to walk in the will of God. Because if we don't have God, I can tell you right now, you can't walk in his will that he has for you. The only way you can walk in the will of God is for every step along the way, you're leaning on him every step along the way. You're leaning on him for each direction, everything he has for you. Because if you're, if you're living life right now and everything's easy, easy, pleasy, and everything's going good, and you're, and you're just doing whatever, you know, you want to do, and, and it's, it, it, you're not relying on God for anything, let me, let me just, you know, check yourself real quickly. Because God wants us every direction and decision that we make for, him, for us to be leaning on him for it. Not leaning on ourselves, not leaning on our own strengths or abilities, but to be leaning on him. Because if we do that, if we lean on God, if we walk after his will, if we say, God, I want your will done, not my will. Let me tell you this right now. His plan is way better than our plan could ever be. His will is way better than our will could ever be. 
And by us just doing something like that, by us relying on God, it allows us to reach a height we never dreamed of. It allows us to reach a place that we could never thought of on our own. And that's what the anointing is there for. It's to allow us to have the ability, it's to allow us to have the, the authority to walk in the will of God that we couldn't do on our own, that we couldn't walk on our own, that we couldn't accomplish on our own, that if we was just left up to ourselves and our fleshly desires and walk, we could not do on our own. But who's thankful for the anointing of God that says, I have a calling on their life, I have a purpose on their life, and I'm going to anoint them for it, and they're going to walk through it, and they're going to see how great God is. They're going to see how powerful God is. They're going to see that the less that they have of themselves and more that they have of the Spirit of God, they will accomplish things they never dreamed of. That's what the anointing is for, is to give us the authority and the advantage and to give us the, give us the insight track to accomplish God's will, the grace, the, the, the purpose, the passion for it. That's how we walk in it is by following after God and knowing that what he has for us is better than anything that we ever dreamed of ourselves. Will you stand to your feet? I'm closing tonight. I'm going to close with 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. Now, John, again, is talking to The church, and believe many people believe that it's the church in Ephesus he's talking to, he's writing to. But in verse 26, he begins to tell them these things, and, and he begins to tell them about how we are in the last hour. And, and this is what he says as a word of encouragement. He says, verse 26, is that these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But he says, but the anointing, everybody say the anointing, which you have received from him abides in you. What you received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just at, as it has taught you, you will abide in him. John was saying there's many things, there are many deceptions and distractions and many options of this world. There's, there will be many times that the enemy will try to trick you and deceive you, but you have the anointing on the inside of you. There will be many times where you might be confused. There will be many times where you're looking for answers. There will be many times where we'll be saying, what is my next step? And there will be a chance for you to give in to the, to the things that the enemy is trying to convince us of. But be, because we have the anointing, it says, because you have the anointing and because it abides in you, because you, you trust after Jesus, because you're walking after him, because of the anointing of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, you have direction for your life. You will know what is truth and what is lie. You will know where God is taking you. You will know what to say and what to do. Scripture even says that when we don't know what to say, the Spirit of God will speak through us. And even though we, we don't know where to go, the Spirit of God will guide us. Even when we feel like the world is crashing around us, the Spirit of God will comfort us. And John was saying, this is why you don't have to fear anything. This is why you don't have to be afraid and, and be thinking that you're going to in a losing battle. But 
because of what Jesus did for you, because of the anointing, because of the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, because of what imbibes in us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That we have all the answers we need in the name of Jesus. That we have all the direction we need in the name of Jesus. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be distracted. But we have the firm foundation, and that's in the name of Jesus. I want to close with this thought. It's that as long as we abide in Jesus, the anointing will abide in us. As long as we abide in Jesus, his direction will abide in us. As long as we abide in Jesus and say, God, I'm going to you for answers, not anybody else. God, I'm going to you for direction, not anybody else. God, I'm going for you for comfort, not anybody else. I'm not looking for people to find my purpose. I'm not looking at politics to find my provision. I'm not looking at materialistic things to, to find my value. No, God, I want to abide in the name of Jesus. I want to abide in the things that you have for me. I want to abide in the authority that you have for me. I want to abide in the calling that you have for me. If we abide in Jesus, his anointing will abide in us. If we abide in what God has for us, if we abide in what Jesus is doing, his anointing will abide in us. And that's the greatest news we can hear. Because it doesn't rely on our perfection. It doesn't rely on our, our good works. It doesn't rely on us figuring out this crazy problem we call life. The only thing it relies on is for us to abide in the name of Jesus. And sometimes you have to say, I don't have all the answers, but I know the truth. Sometimes you have to say, I don't know the direction, but I know the truth. You might be saying, I, I'm kind of confused right now. I don't know why all these things are going on. My life's kind of crazy. and I don't understand what's happening, but I know the truth. I'm going to abide in the truth because I want to walk in the anointing. I'm going to abide in what God has for me because I want to walk in the anointing. I'm going to abide in, in what Jesus has called me to because I want to walk in the anointing that he has on my life. Mom, if you believe that, begin to lift your hands to Jesus and begin to thank him for who he is. Begin to thank him for what he's done. Begin to thank him for what he's going to do. Begin to say, I love you, Jesus. Begin to stir up the atmosphere. Begin to stir up what God is doing in this house. I believe there's a refreshing. I believe that God has an anointing. I believe God has an authority. I believe that God has a purpose and a plan on your life. And that God is lining you up with the purposes right now. God is lining you up with the promises right now. God is lining you up with his will right now. And that God has an anointing on your life. And that he's seen the authority you're walking in. He's seen the authority he has for you. He's seen the power that is on your name. And as you begin this, to lift up your hands to Jesus, begin to worship his name, begin to thank him. Let's begin to sing that song tonight and let's begin to walk in the anointing that he has for us. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.